Welcome back to another episode of the Leroy UMC podcast. My name is Jared, and I'm the worship director here. This week, we're talking about the S word, sin. God can forgive all of our sins, but that doesn't always stop the repercussions of our actions. Here's Pastor Matthias. Well, friends, this morning we are continuing to work our way through our January series, wrestling together with the question, the problem of pain. Why do bad things sometimes happen? Uh, And as we've already shared, talked about a few times, the Bible doesn't give us any one single answer to that question, but instead we get four answers as uh, to why pain is sometimes uh, a reality, sometimes something we face. Uh, Number one, because evil is real, sometimes there are things that are beyond our control. Number two, because there may be a greater good that God can bring from our struggle, from difficulty. Number three, because we sometimes cause it, because sin, uh, to put it simply. And number four, sometimes pain is a mystery. There is no reason behind it. Each of those four explanations is backed up by scripture passages. Each is valid, and so each Sunday we are taking a look uh, at one of those four explanations. And this morning uh, we are on number three, Uh, pain happens because sometimes we cause it. The very equally heavy issue of sin. Um, And our scripture passage, as we're taking a look at that, comes from the Gospel of Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. To give it a little bit of context, in Luke's gospel, this is right at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. This is uh, Luke's version of Jesus calling his first disciples. But friends, listen now for the word of the Lord. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there, at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, and he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. 
one of the most uncomfortably essential, frustratingly inescapable, and timelessly true principles of our faith is that we are all of us, without exception, sinners. It's one of the foundations of Christianity. If you don't struggle with sin, you shouldn't be here. I mean, it should be obvious, and we've talked about it before, but Christianity is not a religion designed for the perfect, for the righteous, for the holy, for those who have it all figured out. This is a religion for those who can admit, I have problems. I am broken. I have sinned. So much so that I don't need another self-help book. I need a savior. Of course, most 21st century Christians, or at least a lot of Christians, I think, in our context, don't like talking about sin, and we avoid using the S-word at all cost. In part, I imagine that's because in our context, a lot of us carry a lot of misconceptions about sin. When we hear the word sin, many of us instantly start thinking about fire and brimstone preachers pounding on pulpits and pointing fingers. You don't have to worry about that here. I'm pretty sure there's a height requirement for being a fire and brimstone preacher. (laughs) Plus, this podium might break if I started pounding on it. But maybe the biggest misconception that we have about sin is the idea that sin is all about breaking a list of rules that the Bible gives us. But that's a bit of an oversimplification. At a far deeper, more fundamental level, in the Bible, in scriptures, sin is anything that ruptures or damages your relationship with God. It could be an obsession with a bigger paycheck that keeps us from being grateful from the life that we already have. It could be the little judgments we sometimes whisper behind our neighbor's back that keeps us from truly loving them. Maybe it's an addiction to alcohol or pornography that keeps us trapped in shame, a cult-like allegiance to this or that idea that twists our priorities, a fear of the world that keeps us from truly living. However it takes shape, sin can be almost anything that denies or prevents God's grace from working in our lives. Or to put it another way, sin is something that causes pain by keeping us from living as the new man or woman God always intended us to become. That's the second or the third explanation that Scripture gives for why pain exists, for why bad things sometimes happen, for why we sometimes struggle. Because from the forbidden fruit of Adam and Eve to David's lust to the thorn in Paul's side, we so often cause ourselves harm and harm those around us by the little and not so little ways that we choose our wants over the healing grace of God. And for the longest time, whenever most 
preachers and thinkers and theologians have thought about sin and the pain that sin sometimes causes us, they have thought about pride. As early as the 4th century, the 300s, the great St. Augustine said that pride was the greatest sin. And as late as the 20th century, the beloved C.S. Lewis said that pride was the sin from which all other sins derived. And there is a lot of truth to that. Much, maybe most, of the sin we face and pain we feel that is caused by sin comes from rejecting God's grace by acting as if we were God in some way, as if we were the center of the universe. Think about the boss who rules over their employees like a tyrant or the angry person who fights everyone else because they think their views are eternal truth. The sin of me and mine often fights against the grace of God and others. However, that isn't the sin that causes Peter's pain, is it? Now, when many people today, again, in our context, think about Simon Peter, they don't just think about the first of the twelve disciples, or about the rock on whom Jesus builds his church, but when many people think about Simon Peter, they think of someone who was, in many ways, a sinner. Someone who denied Jesus three times at his greatest hour of need. Someone who Paul, in the letter to Galatians, had to call out for being a hypocrite in the way he was treating Jews and Gentiles. Someone who even Jesus, at one point, said, get behind me, Satan, when he stood in the way of the cross. But the thing that few people appreciate is that Peter wasn't just an imperfect, flawed, sinful man, but that Peter knew it. In fact, Peter knew he was a flawed character from the moment he entered the story. According to Luke's Gospel, Peter's story begins when, after a miserable night of failing to provide for his family as a fisherman, a defeated and frustrated Peter suddenly realizes that the strange rabbi in his boat is more than just a wise teacher. This man, this person is some new prophet, some great miracle worker, some holy representative of God Almighty, and Peter's first instinct is to fall down on his knees, bow his head, and shout, Get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Peter doesn't proudly place himself before others. Peter cowers in shame. Peter doesn't try to exert his will. Peter tells himself he's unworthy to even be near this man of God. No, it isn't the sin of pride or of thinking too highly of himself that causes Peter pain, but somehow it's the sin of thinking too little of himself. Peter is a sinner, and Peter doesn't just know it. Peter dwells on it. 
That's one aspect of sin that we seldom, if ever, talk about. While many mainstream churches have spent centuries concentrating on the pain caused by the sin of pride and power and want, it's churches on the margins and theologians from minority communities who have begun to realize that we don't just sin through our selfishness, our want, or our abuses of power, but sometimes we sin through our self-rejection, our self-doubt, our excessive shame, our self-hate that tells us we're not good enough, that we don't matter. As one South American scholar, Justo Gonzalez, put it for minorities and migrants in his context, the most common temptation is not so much thinking too highly of ourselves as it is accepting the low opinion that others have of us and not trusting God's definition of who we are. It's strange to think about, but the sin of not loving yourself as God loves you can sometimes cause as much pain as the sin of loving yourself too much. Just think about Peter. What God-given opportunities had Peter passed up in his life because he had always told himself, I'm just a dumb fisherman, I can't do it. How many miserable days had Peter struggled through because he had convinced himself he would never be good enough to do anything that really mattered? Who knows how often Peter had missed God's grace, not because God didn't love him, but because he wouldn't love himself. And not just Peter, how many of us know exactly what that kind of painful self-rejection feels like? How many people in our community struggle with the feeling of being nothing, of feeling like an imposter, like a fraud, a loser who can't do it or who isn't good enough for it? How many of us have pushed God away because we told ourselves we weren't holy enough for the Lord? How many of us have said in our own way, get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinner? Sin doesn't just cause us pain when we proudly place ourselves on a pedestal, but when we fail to appreciate that God has already placed us on his. When we listen to the lie that we're useless more than to God's promises for us. When we find ourselves before the presence of God and our first instinct isn't to reject God, but to reject ourselves. But the thing is, as Peter learned that day by the shore, that isn't how Christ sees us. The great, miraculous, unexpected twist behind Simon Peter's call is that the way Peter saw himself was not the way Jesus Christ saw Peter. How society valued Peter is not how God made plans for Peter. And the flaws that Peter is remembered for still today is not the story the gospel tells about him.
Peter may have seen himself as a failed fisherman who struggled just to get by, but what mattered more than that is that Christ saw in him the confidence, the determination, the faithfulness of a rock on which he could build a church. Peter may have thought of himself as someone who could only sink in the waves, but what mattered more is that Christ knew Peter was the only one of the twelve brave enough to get out of the boat in the first place. Peter may have struggled, he may have caused pain by his inability to have grace for himself, but that self-rejection could not measure up to the complete and total acceptance Christ Jesus showed him. Get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinner, Peter says, but the good news is Christ didn't listen. Instead, Christ answered, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. And then they left everything and followed him. That's the thing about the call of Simon Peter and the call of the 12 disciples. Simon Peter became a disciple, became a follower of Jesus Christ, not on the day when he overcame all his sins, but on the day when he began to realize that the good news is, no matter his sins, no shortcoming could ever stop Christ from calling him to something new. And Simon Peter became a rock of our faith, not when he became perfect, but the day he started to understand that God's grace would always be there and would always be greater. Peter didn't just leave his boats behind that day on the shore, but he left behind his shame, his fear, his sins and self-rejection, and he went off as a man whose pain was already being healed by the love of God. One of the most uncomfortably essential and timelessly true principles of our faith is that we are all sinners. We are all broken in our own ways. We do all struggle with the pain of mistakes, of failures. We do struggle to let God's grace into our lives, not only when we love ourselves too much, but when we fail to love ourselves as God does. But as Simon Peter learned in time, an even more essential principle of our faith is that our sins are never greater than God's grace. That our sins never stop the call of the Savior who says, do not be afraid, I have plans for you. Come and follow me. And that even when we struggle to love ourselves as we should, God's love for us is always more than enough. We are all of us Peter. We are all of us sinners. But more importantly, we are all of us loved disciples. And thanks be to God for it. Amen.
Again, thank you for joining us. I pray you have a safe and blessed week. Go in peace.